You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome to another Red Hot edition of the Advanced Colorado Downrun. What? Wait, Michael, what is it again? The Rundown. The Rundown. You know, by the time we end this thing, I'm going to get that thing right. My name's George Brockler. This is. I feel like you do it on purpose, though. I feel like you get it wrong on purpose. You know, early on, I didn't. Now I am. I just want to keep it consistent. And I'm Michael Field. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest to make us a lot smarter on something that on its face seems like it shouldn't be complicated, but it is. Uh, There was something on the ballot just a little bit ago called F-A-M-L-I, you ain't got no alibi, and something has grown out of that to make us smarter on it. Mesa County Commissioner Cody Davis, sir, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Doing well. How are you guys? Doing well. Living the dream. That's great. Now, listen, I just want to get it started off with the history of this thing. Michael, as you know, if you've ever listened to this podcast, he brings all the smarty smart questions. I'm just here for comic relief. But before we get into the background, just so folks know who they're listening to, tell us a little bit about you, where you came from. I even want to know about high school and then get us to the commissioner thing. Sure. Yeah, I went to high school at Fruit of Miami High School in uh, Western Colorado. Um, but uh, no, I'm a home builder and uh, developer in Western Colorado. In 2020, I got elected as county commissioner. And uh, also in 2020 was passed the Paid Family Leave Act, um, which was a constitutional amendment. So and it uh, it passed by quite a bit, fifty almost fifty eight percent. So sixteen percent. Um, the yeses had it by sixteen percent. So it's it's no. It had a lot of support. It wasn't passed wow. by just a few votes. It had quite a bit of support. Um, it allows for you know things like twelve weeks uh, leave, um, which is split ba- mainly fifty fifty between the employee and employer. Um, it exempts government. Government can exempt themselves from their premium. Um, different things like that. So um, passed with uh, a wide array of support in Colorado and the premiums go into effect next year. And then the actual benefit to the constituents goes into effect in 2024. So nobody's actually seeing benefits from the paid family leave just yet. Did you say that government is exempted from this government imposed program? Yeah. So, and they have to, they have to exempt themselves. Like, so they have to go through the process. And we did this as a, as a county commission, we did this about two weeks ago in public hearing, we exempted ourselves from the premium. So employees can still get the benefit and they would still um, have to pay their portion of it, but government can exempt themselves from paying the um, half of the premium because it costs a lot of money. Um, So basically they put it all on business to pay the premium for, you know, government employees, which, Seems a bit unfair because uh, they realize yes, yeah. that it's not really economic, economically feasible to do so for government. So I say if it's not economically feasible for government, why is it economically feasible for, for small private business? So, And the threshold for paying that premium is 10 employees. So at the time, um, my business, we only employed nine people. Um, but now we employ well over 10 because we're growing. And we knew we would eventually employ over 10 people. So um, last year, we filed a lawsuit saying that the, the, it was unconstitutional because it would infect our business. It would require us to do, go above and beyond what we already do and pay that premium. Um, so anyways, we filed suit um, in 2021 um, against this 
just basically calling it unconstitutional because it 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 levies a an additional fee or surcharge based on someone's income tax. So, and long story short, a district judge disagreed with us. So we appeal it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court agreed with the district court and said that it that uh, section I think it's eight um, of Tabor does not apply to this law because it's not specifically a an income tax. So um, they said it does not apply to the, that section of Tabor. So what does that, where does that leave us? And I'm sorry, Michael. No, go ahead. So that leaves us with in 2023, if you have a business um, of, and you have 10 employees or more, you will be paying um, half the premium for this law. You, you can charge your employee the other half. You don't have to, uh, but you can charge your, your employee the other half. And so you're spit, splitting at 50-50 with your, your employee um, moving forward, and they in 2024 will get the benefit. Start I'm, getting the benefit. I'm curious about government opting themselves out of this, given you know this is 2020. We were already uh, in the midst of the pandemic, and you know businesses were struggling at the time, et cetera. And since the pandemic happened, government has more money than ever, right? State government has so much money; they're sending it back to taxpayers with taper refunds. Businesses still continue to struggle with all the fees that are being added on, just, you know, tough environment in general. I guess, why was it in there that governments could opt out, uh, but not businesses when government seems to be doing better than businesses are? I think that's a great question. And if I had a glass ball, I'd love to know why they exempted them. I, I, I assume that they wouldn't get the support of the public sector if it was in there. So they had to take that out of there. So much the same way that, uh, um, the new um, public sector union bill went through this year. They kept a lot of the education sector out. They kept uh, municipal government out and they only went off after county because they knew they needed enough support to do it. So that's my assumption. I don't know that for a fact, but I assume you that- said that the shift uh, that, that basically the public employees can still get it. But the shift happens where private companies have to pay now extra, I guess, into the system in order uh, for those employees to get the benefit. Is that right? That, that's absolutely right. And it allows the, the director of the new program to right now it would be a 0.9% um, premium on wages. And the director can move that up to 1.2% um, premium. So if let's say one year, they don't have enough money, um, he can automatically by himself, um, or herself rather, um, can raise that percentage up to 1.2, which would generate based on this year's dollars, um, an additional $400 million in revenue. So yeah. The director was, of who, who can do that, Cody, who has the power to do that? The director of the new program um, made up by the new act, the uh, paid family leave act. So, which is under the uh, uh, labor, what's the, what's the word? Um, the division who of picks labor. that person who picks that person, the division of labor director, I, I assume. So the department of labor and employment is the one um, that is over all this, the, the uh, division of, family medical leave insurance is under them. And I believe, and I, and I don't know this for a fact, but the, uh, I believe the department of labor and employment, um, selects that director. So, and they can raise that up to 0.3%, which again is about $400 million, um, in additional revenue, but it was passed under the act. It gave them yeah. authority up to uh, one at 0.9 and authority to raise it up to 1.2%. Do you feel like they're, you know, you talked about 10 employees versus nine employees, et cetera. I mean, are businesses looking at this and making decisions on who they hire based on staying under that cap? Uh, do you think that actually happens in the real world? 
Uh, I don't know. Um, we really thought about it because we were at nine. And so when we went to 10, it was the question, me and my brother are business partners. And the question was, do we really need 10 employees? Now we have to start paying, you know, half the premium for our employees, which is essentially about a half percent of their wages every year. Um, for us, in the end, probably not because we were continuing to grow. Um, the housing market was doing really well and we needed those additional employees. Um, the problem is for us, it was a bit of a, just a waste of money because we already have our own programs um, and we're, we allows, allows us to be very flexible um, in how we treat our employees, you know? And so now we have duplicate programs with our employees. If they want to take family paid leave, they can. Um, we also have our own program as well. And I don't know, it just kind of dissuades um, innovation. It dissuades um, being good to your employees because now you're essentially forced to. So again, it takes the bad actor, the bad player in all of this um, and subjects the rest of the world, all the good players to, to the same standard. It sounds like what you're saying, though, is that it can actually discourage either a current or future employer from wanting to do what you've done. And that is to create their own program that has benefits specific to their employees. It, they might just shrug and be like, oh, hell, I'm already paying into one. Absolutely. Uh, one question that, that I have, I guess, you know, these ballot measures get very complicated, uh, very long. You know, the, the, you see the, the ballot language is so long that people can under, can't understand it. Um, I guess, what do you think? Do you think that people understood fully uh, all of the you know, consequences uh, of, of this measure before passing it? Do you feel like there was enough opposition or education out there for people? Uh, or do you think that, you know, everybody had the info and just thought this was a, a great idea and passed it with that 57% of the vote? I mean, if you read the ballot, it starts out by talking about all the benefits that employees mm-hmm. are going to get. And I mean, eventually it gets into some of the economics of it. It really doesn't, I mean, obviously in the battle language, it's not going to tell you how much it's going to cost you. If you, you really have to dig to find out how much it's going to cost you every year. Um, and when private business um, employers are subsidizing it for government, um, it gets even cheaper for the actual employee. So um, no, I don't think people fully understand it. Um, again, um, they, they dangled the carrot and said, you're going to get all, all these wonderful things um, and it's at a, at a small price, you know, and people don't understand what that costs in the real world to um, businesses and employers who are doing it right to begin with. Mesa County opted out, as you mentioned, are other counties doing the same thing? Do you anticipate them doing it? What, what's the word in kind of all these other counties uh, and localities that are dealing with this? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, we weren't the first ones to opt out of it um, either. Um, the, the ironic part is that uh, Pitkin County, I believe it is, is one of the first ones to opt out of this. Um, which is, as you know, a very liberal county. Um, and so they even saw the economics don't work and were, were one of the first counties um, to opt out of it. So, so yes, uh, we saw it as just another burden on local government. And it, and it is unfair because uh, we sit here, we have about 1,200 employees here in Mesa County. So we're well over that 10 threshold. And uh, we, we recognize the cost it would have cost us, but now we have the decision to essentially unburden ourselves, which means somebody else, because we're not reducing the amount of people who are on the paid family leave program. Um, we're just reducing the amount of money that's going into it. So someone else is going to have to bear that burden. And what that comes down to is employers and employees themselves are going to have to bear that burden. You know, I'm curious, I know you guys were able to opt out of this, as you mentioned, as you talked about, but you also mentioned some of the other mandates, things that are coming from the state as a county commissioner, you know, here in, in getting elected in 2020, you're seeing a lot of this happen from the legislature. I guess any comments on 
on that. I mean, they, you know, they have allowed some outs or had some oppositions, et cetera, but it seems like the the heavy hand of state government is becoming more involved in counties and localities. Uh, have you seen that in your couple of years as, as a commissioner? Yeah. Like I said, I've only been in here for about two years, but yeah, you see it. And one of the biggest ones, and I, and I already mentioned this, was the uh, public sector union bill that was passed this year. Um, it seemed purely political because- oh in the, at the end of the day, this could cost us a, a lot of money. Now, the, the employees locally have to have to pass it, um, and we have to to agree with it some degree. But uh, um, yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money. And the, it seemed like the only reason it was done, the only good reason it was done. I shouldn't say it's a good reason, but the only reason it was done was to to help fund um, Democrats and their campaigns because um, most local governments, most county governments whether they were uh, liberal or conservative, most of them were opposed to this because the, because the impact on the budget. Um, but it was, they put their heads down and they, they pushed this thing through um, because they knew they needed to fund, in, in my view, they needed to fund their campaigns. So that was probably one of the most frustrating thing that happened from a local government standpoint this last year. Another question I have is, you know, this is one thing that passed. We, you know, went to the courts, couldn't, uh, get the court, you know, shockingly to George and I, the courts sided against, you know, Tabor. Um, but basically, what's the what's the overall lesson in this family leave, uh, you know, ballot measure that is now being implemented? What do people need to know or, or you know, things that might come in the future? I guess, what are the, the lessons learned from this one? I think on this one, the lesson learned is that money goes a long way in passing ballot initiatives. Um, if you look at the amount of money that was raised in support of paid family leave, it was over $9 million um, to support paid family leave. And I believe it was right around $800,000 in opposition. So they had the, 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 uh, the proponents of this bill had over 11 times the amount of money to fight with. And when ballot language is um, fluffed up with everything that someone is going to get and not the cost of the actual product um, and they don't, they don't show you how much money is being spent in it. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to fight it. So I think people need to put their principled conservatives need to put money where their mouth is and start supporting um, places like Advanced Colorado who can go out and fight these um, bad ballot issues. Because at the end of the day, um, it's that money that goes towards these ballot initiatives that helps win these big time. And when you're, when you're in a deficit of one to 11, it's going to be hard. Even if you get the truth out there, even if you're giving all the numbers, it's going to be hard to fight at the end when you're down that much money. Yeah. Is there nothing left for us to do short of to go in and try to amend the law in some way? Is that all that's left? Yeah. Uh, Prop 118 um, was passed. Uh, they, the, uh, the AG actually wanted us to get this to the Supreme Court as soon as possible before they start collecting the premium in January of 2023 because they didn't want any hiccups. So um, we actually skipped the appellate court. We agreed with um, the AG to skip the appellate court, go directly to the Supreme Court um, to get this thing over with, to get any form of challenge over with. So it's it's done deal. It's in the books unless we change the law. You know, one thing well, I... that sucks. <laughs> one thing I'm concerned about is just all this stuff that's coming at the same time. You know, we've gone in the last four years from uh, the 11th best to 29th worst in terms of cost of doing business in our state. You know, they just increased fees on deliveries. Uh, we have, you know, diesel prices are so high, you know, causing inflation, et cetera. Uh, I'm concerned about, you know, what happens in these next few years for for businesses, for companies in our state. 
uh, and what that means for employment here, for cost of living here. Uh, you're on the front line, both as a business person and as a as a county commissioner. And so, one, I appreciate you, you know, fighting back against this stuff, trying to educate people. That's what we're trying to do is get the word out about this kind of stuff. Um, and knowing that we have a lot of local conservative officials like yourself who are engaging on issues day in and day out, uh, you know, whether it's county commissioners, city council. And so we love having, you know, people on like you to, to talk about these types of issues. We'd love to have you back on in the future to talk about other stuff that counties are facing, because that's really where, where the rubber hits the road here in Colorado. Yeah, and another thing people don't think of as well that's coming in the next coming years is property values started going up in 2020. Now, most uh, property values don't get assessed they're assessed two years in the rears. So people may see their property values go down next year because the economy is flat and it may come down. Um, may, it may level out again, but it's going to be 2024 until they get that bill for the valuation of 2020, the end of 2020 or 2021. And there's their property taxes are going to skyrocket when the economy could be going down. So there's a lot of stuff coming in 2023, um, new paid family leave, um, new taxes, um, the price of diesel gas, all those things, plus p- potentially um, increased property taxes um, based on two, two years in the rear valuation. So there's a lot coming um, and I appreciate you guys and your organization continue to keep up the fight and, and uh, educate people. Cause that at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. you know, what's George, your so. George is going to cut me off. If we start talking property taxes, uh, you know, oh, not at all. I, about that I was forever, distracted but... by the arrears talk. <laughs> I agree uh, that property taxes are going to be a big issue, both for businesses and individuals. Uh, because of the you know the costs are going up so much and people's incomes aren't going up accordingly and so you guys are dealing with that on the local level where you want to fund you know local services we have to do that but it can't be 20 25 percent increases that people are facing uh, and businesses are facing so I, I yeah I think you know the more that we can stay in touch on these issues talk about what's impacting especially western Colorado uh, you know will be will be good in the future so thanks for 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 coming on uh, love to have you back again Cody, we'd love to have you back, man. Thanks. That was very informative and um, disheartening. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> hey, that's it for another issue of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. See, nailed it right there. Uh, again, I'm George. This is Michael Fields. We'll be back to see you next time. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancecolorado.org.